Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Tour de France Farm Avec Swift. We're changing it up. Well, thankfully, we've got a new race to look forward to and cover. Stage one finished early today in Clermont-Ferrand because... Yeah, it's earlier than most of the other days. Uh, normally, it will finish, I think, at about 5 o'clock or 5.30, like the men's race normally would. But, yeah, stage one, from Clermont-Ferrand to Clermont-Ferrand, which has had a million races recently. 124Ks, pretty flat, but a few lumps and bumps in the last sort of 20Ks to the first 100. There's an intermediate sprint, which we'll get to, that was a bit weird at uh, St. Hippolyte. Uh, a little bit, it was uphill, and then a couple of uphill, up and downs, fast sweeping descents before the Côte de Dortol, which is 1700 meters, 7.1%, 10Ks from the finishes of the crest before a fast descent, pedaling descent, and a bit of 4Ks flat to the finish. It is one of these stages that is very similar to the start of the men's tour in 2021 and 2020, where it's a pretty easy day. And then a very borderline puncher climb, not right at the finish. Uh, and, you know, could go either way. Could be a bunch of sprint. Could be a really thinned out sprint. Could be a sole attacker. Could even be GC gap. So it's really the last 30Ks of this stage you need to focus on. But there were some uh, unfortunate things earlier in the stage, Benji. Exactly. The, the initial breakaway was something not super unfortunate. As in, there was a long breakaway formation phase, 15 kilometers, where nothing happened. As in, no attacks, just waiting. We don't have that Campanards going from the first second of the race in this first stage of the women's tour. We see a few attacks after 10-ish kilometers, but they don't really go anywhere. And then after 20, 25 kilometers, we see a, an attack that actually gets a gap. The first separation we have in this race, Tiffany Laurence of uh, Life Plus Wahoo goes in the, into the attack. And at that same exact moment, while she's going off onto the attack, we see a weird crash on the side of the peloton. So basically, if you're looking from the helicopter on the right front of the peloton, we have a rider from AG Insurance, and that is Mireya Benito. She was a pretty good climber early this season. She, uh, she went off the road. Really odd how it happened. I feel like she just went next to the asphalt, maybe, and that's why she ended up slipping into the ditch, but it didn't look good at first. And I don't know if they have left an update on social media. I'm checking while I'm saying it. They have said that she was entered into a, into the ambulance and was conscious on her way to the hospital, but we haven't heard an update since then. So hopefully Mireya Benito is fine, but unfortunately a first DNF, first abandonment in this Tour de France farm, which uh, it's not really a crash from, from the bunch being all nervous and so forth. Hey, this was just a, a bad luck crash, right? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, hopefully she recovers okay. But yeah, it's a shame to leave the race on the first stage, obviously, and, and for that team as well. So yeah. yeah, that's not a great start to the race, but it was a bit of a cagey affair after that. And there was a long period of time where there was no breakaway. And to be honest, there is an overwhelming 
I think the first three favorites in the betting for this stage were all from SD Works, Kopecky, Vebas, <laughs> and Vollering. So yeah. they could win in a group sprint, Vebas. She's going to win. They can win in a thinned out sprint, Kopecky, or Vollering even. They can win with solo attackers, Vollering or Kopecky. So there is a, there are some very strong teams here on the flat, being Trek, DSM, Yumbo, and SD Works, particularly SD Works with Majerus, uh, Bredevold and Royce, the, the best time trialist in the world right now. So maybe that's why some teams thought, why waste energy in the attack when you're just going to get managed very easily by, by those strong teams? Yeah, but I do personally feel like we, we see that 20-kilometer attack by Tiffany Laurence that eventually gets caught 20k later with 80k to go. And there's like a moment of 35 kilometers without any attack in this peloton. And like, this is a Tour de France fun. There's full coverage of this stage. Like, there has to be one team, maybe once again a live plus Wahoo attack, maybe some other team in the race that is not really a favorite for this race, which is the majority of these teams. I was expecting someone to at least go for a bit of an exposure breakaway. And maybe it's not a very competitive breakaway, but everybody's got their eyes on that race at that moment. So... It's the biggest race in women's cycling, and it takes 35 kilometers before Marta Lag, the hero of Paris-Roubaix-Thun, because I remember that she was the one that, in the last velodrome, pushed and did a lead-out for everybody in the breakaway group <laughs> and ruined their own chances. Well, she attacked and went to a, into a breakaway here that lasted once again roughly, roughly 15 kilometers, something like that. But isn't it odd that no one, except those two riders, really tried to go in a breakaway? I was surprised, you know, like Saint Michel, Cofidis, Arkea, French teams, and, and listen, yeah. like ninety percent of the teams here, they have no chance to win this stage from the group, like no chance. SD Works is so overpowered, um, so I was surprised. I think it might also be a parkour design reason. Now, maybe mm -hmm. if there was a category three climb, sort of two thirds into the stage, and the last climb was a cat four, then you have someone hunting KOM, and and they can wear polka dots tonight. Um, there's also the competitive prize, but yeah, that, that's also something to think about is if you give a little KOM incentive earlier, you can induce people going in the break earlier because they might actually yeah. get something out of it. Um, and, and I also understand wanting to keep your bullets fresh, but yeah. Uh, anyway, we get into, we're coming into the final, the, basically the intermediate sprint becomes Weird. forgotten about because the strong teams are already on all, they're already doing the lead out. So we see Balsamo, her higher position in the team is made very clear because she was pulling sort of when Majerus and Bredevold were pulling. So yeah. either she's not in form or they're just all in on ELB, GC. Um, but yeah, she was pulling early as well as, yeah, SD Works on one side of the road and, and Yumbo Visma. And at that intermediate sprint, just no one went for it. Which um, It was super weird. Yeah. Like, I was expecting some sprinter types to try and go for it. I understand if a, if a call, for example, says I don't want to go because I don't feel like I won, have the large chance of winning green. And secondly, because I will need that bullet for the climb later, because I might not be the best sprinter to get over that climb. Wibbers is a bit better in that. So maybe that's her thought process. That I understand. But there's so many other sprinters in this race where I would have been like, okay, there's also prize money on grabs, also valuable. And we see like a, a sprint to the point that it kind of was like, they went around the corner, saw the sprint, and certainly thought, oh, fuck, the sprint is there. We need to sprint. And then, like, three or four riders started fighting for it. The likes of Dignan from the track train from second position came past the, the first rider and went for it. 
Molmon went for it, which is somewhat intriguing. She's spending energy there. Then we've got Carlain Swinkles from Yambo also going for it, Voss. But that was odd because you would expect Voss to try and go for those points. But it was like the Yambo train was not ready for it. Because Voss ends up sprinting to fifth instead of third, which Carlain Swinkles is getting. Colin Folonieri gets fourth. And by the way, according to Tissot, which is like the, the timing organizer, there's 25 points for the sprint. So that's something intriguing. I didn't know it was 25 instead of 20. But if that is true, then there's even more incentive to go for these uh, intermediate sprints. So in my eyes, it looked like they all forgot it was happening. I checked the profile. It happened at the spot that it said on the profile. So I don't know, man. I mean, it is 16Ks, 15Ks before the start of the, the pivotal climb. So I can yeah. sort of understand. And listen, if you win the stage, you will, I believe, you automatically take... Yeah. Um, green. I think green. So you don't have to worry about it too much. And so I get that from a Capecchi perspective. But yeah, we get, we're get we now fully into the lead-outs and it's Royster and Berdevold changing for SD Works on the one side. It's Trek with Hansen and uh, controversial Lizzie Diagnan on the other side, keeping Spratt and Longaborghini in good position. What was curious to me is, and SD Works, by the way, they're a hum mumble jumble of jerseys because they've got the normal jersey, following in the World Tour Leaders jersey, Right? Yeah. The purple one? Yes. She's in a slightly different one. Viva's in the Euro Champs jersey. Kopecky mm -hmm. in the Belgian Champs jersey. So, the, And Royster in the Swiss Champs jersey. Yeah. Which is actually not that red. It's like a, a darker <laughs> red too, like their normal colors. So yeah, they, they're all like the volume one almost looks the same. But yeah, it's they're all, they've got four of their top riders in different jerseys. And Majerus is in the Luxembourg National Champs jersey. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, I noticed Kopecky was struggling to hold the wheel or she mm -hmm. was switching off onto the Movistar train a lot on the other side. And and I thought, to me, the whole climb, it looked like they were going for Vibers and also the running because they were looking yep. where Vibers was, following looking for Vibers. Vibers on my wheel. Okay, Royce goes back on the front. Uh, Yumbo struggled in the running. They entered not in the best position uh, for, for Voss, quite deep in the field into that climb, I think. I think when it comes to SD Works, the one thing I noticed is that there was that one train, like you said, that was looking for Weavers, but Kopecky was solo on the other side of the road. So I was already thinking maybe she's got a free roll next to the others looking after Weavers. Do you think that's realistic or do you think they maybe switched to a different idea mid-climb if someone started suffering? I don't really know. Um, I think everyone sort of had their own option, maybe. I think it was between mm -hmm. Weavers and Kopecky, not Volering, and Volering was the glue to keep it all together. Um, <laughs> but I think they both, in the, in the end, had their option. But yeah, they entered that climb. And as I said, I think it looks like they're going for Vibas because this is a, a four-minute climb, maybe four and a half minutes, quite yep. steep, 7% average with some steeper sections. And the situation, Royce starts pacing, but a steady pace, not like a, trying to split the group, set up a volleying attack. It's very clearly not the hardest pace SD Works could ever do because you see every GC contender fan out and they're all overlapping each other trying to look look to see what's happening and so to me that was clearly a steady tempo to try and allow Vibas to get over this climb which she nearly did yeah. um, and I was surprised that no other team called them on it actually I thought if you're Movistar with Van Vluten and Lippert exactly or you're, you got Xavi and Nivea Doma. 
you you got to get rid of Vibers. If you don't get rid of Vibers, we know what's going to happen. We saw it at the end. So what was their plan? What's the risk? Like, what is the risk that you attack with Lippert on this climb? You attack and, yeah, maybe they were in danger of getting countered in their head, but we were coming to the point that we were nearing the last 500 meters of the climb. And if you reach that point, I'm like, at this point, you might as well make a move. And it felt like everybody was kind of looking at each other. There were people on their limit because the group was heavily thinned out. The yeah. likes of Labu was not present anymore. So major time loss for her today. There's another few GC riders that lost Marcus, time, but we'll talk about it struggling. in a little bit afterwards. Exactly. And I was seeing Indeed Canyon, for example, in their beautiful jerseys, by the way. I want one of those, but They're it's not really available nuts, in men's yeah. edition. So I'm really sad. Oh, no, but it's the I same. Guess... Just get the women's one. Really? I, that, I wear women's sad? clothing all the time. <laughs> Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll trust you on that. But if it doesn't work, I'm going to judge you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just but get anyway, the women's one. <laughs> I expected, yeah, Shabby, for example. I would understand if Shabby's kind of on the limit on the climb, though. But Nivia Doma, maybe, towards the last 500 meters, I was expecting something to happen. Yeah. And then it kind of came from on the, on, the, on the far back of the group where Kopecky kind of launched past everybody at this point. So we've got an attack. The Belgian champion is attacking. SD Works is attacking. So a bit of a switch from the idea of Wibbers there, but Wibbers and Cole on the climb didn't look like they were being too comfortable either. So maybe it was a slippage mid-climb. Maybe Kopecky just had a free roll. I can't judge that externally, but the immediate separation that I saw and Nivia Domo responding late to the Kopecky attack, not directly getting to the wheel, I kind of thought it was already over. Well, yeah, I, I think there might be something in that that she attacked from so deep that maybe she, maybe the the adap, adap, adaptation, anyway. <laughs> the what? Um, plan they, adaptation. Yeah, they they changed the plan during the climb because if Vibas is in the front bubble, they yeah. go for Vibas, and I yep. think Kopecky was looking, and if she slides, and she's out, Kopecky gets to go, and that's. It seemed very coincidental that as Vibas really was starting to slide, Cool was yeah. also sliding in Voss, that Kopecky just drops the bomb. And Nividon was boxed in. She couldn't get out behind Volering and Mormon for a little bit. She did have good legs because the counter move was a strong split. Nividon does cross the top of the climb second. And that's why I was yeah. curious. Like, this is the best climb for her. Be offensive. Like, don't be attacked. Um, go first, whilst maybe. Kapeki's trying to handhold Vibas and you put them under pressure first, yeah. but it's too late. Kapeki's already got a gap. She's super powerful. It's near the end, and there's this flat section and a pedaling descent. Mormon was strong too, but she's isolated. She doesn't have teammates with her. Uh, she came third over the top of the climb. There was a little chase group. I presume Volering tagged onto the back of that. And so SD Works have the perfect situation. They have Kapeki ahead, solo. She's never going to get brought back anyway, but in theory, you know, she's super strong. They have Volering, the fastest sprint in the second group, and then they have Vibers, the fastest sprint with Royce in the third group. And so they can win from every group on the road. <laughs> and, you know, like, that's it. <laughs> like, Ludwig's not going to pull. You know, she never will in that group. Cavalli yeah. um, did. So she's... She's probably the only rider. She shouldn't that have, man. She pulled. dropped herself. Yeah, but I, I'm not 100% sure that FDG see her as a GC leader at this point after her recovery. Maybe she had not. A good Tour de Pyrenees, but the rest of the races were kind of like just not. Like Girodon. 
But yeah, we saw that the group two syndrome was kind of happening because while Cavalli was not pulling, the moment that she wasn't pulling, for example, Molmon was at the front and went like, that's not going to do anything. So that third group with Wibbus, with Royster in it, comes back to group two. So we've got three riders from SD Works and a perfect situation for a one-two in this race. Because with Volring, you can still doubt a tiny bit that she might get beaten by someone in the group or yeah. that she can't control an attack from the group, which is a very possible scenario. But if those three are there, they can control everything. And the gap is, is ballooning to 40 seconds at this point, 30 seconds. As a Belgian, I was seeing 17 minutes in my head, but nah, it wasn't that. And we were certain Lotto Kopecky was going to take the first mile jaune, bar any accidents in the last two kilometers. And then we saw rolling attacks in the group behind. It's always Canyon, right? Always. I don't mind it, actually, because, you I know, like the it. stage is gone, and why not try and get something out of the stage a few seconds here or there on GC? Plus, there's bonies at the line, and you're not going to win the sprint. Yep. So I, I don't have a problem with it. I think that's fine. Once, once the stage is gone, why not go into offensive mode? But, yeah, the beauty for Kopecky is the group she attacked out of is all GC riders. So, like, yep. in this race, there are no, there are no punchers who are specialist punchers that are not a GC rider. Niviodoma's here for GC. Mormon's here for GC. Lip well, actually, Lippert is the one It's like, I don't actually... <laughs> Van Vluten's here for GC. She is a puncher. Whereas, you know, this reminded me a lot of when Alaphilippe danced away because Kopecky, it's not, it's not only that she's also the, one of the strongest and was the strongest, but also there is all that self-talk in that group behind thinking... She's not here for GC anyway, so why would I get? Why would I flick myself chasing someone who's not here for GC? Yes, but I'm going to give you a different scenario now. You're talking about Alaphilippe, Lander, no stage one of the Tour de France 2021, I think. I think so. Something yeah. like that. He attacks away. Pogacar and Roglic look at each other. Basically, Wout van Aert isn't good enough that day. So that's what we're seeing in that scenario. We take a look at this scenario. Kopecky rides away. GC Wide is not really interested in competing for that stage. They just want to survive. And then we see on the opposite end, the stage two of the Tour de France this year, where Fanat doesn't go on that necessarily. For example, there was an attack in that stage two after Yaiskebel, where Wout Fanat was in the group, where Pitcock was in the group, and Pitcock attacks on this tiny hill. Wout Fanat doesn't launch past Pitcock, probably because he's afraid that Bogatra will follow him. But I think the difference here between today's scenario and that day is that we've got the rivalry between Yumbo and UAE, which is Wout van Aert is in Yumbo's side, Pogacar still has a sprint. While on this side, we've got Van Vleuten versus SD Works, and Van Vleuten doesn't necessarily have that sprint. Do you think that has an impact between those two scenarios, or do you think Wout should have attacked at that moment? Oh, uh, yeah, if he could have, it would have been better than defending, but... I also think there is a big level difference here. You know, like Kopecky did get a huge gap on that climb and then yeah. like 40 seconds isn't nothing. Um, so yeah. there's also that she's just better um, yeah. on this sort of parkour. We saw it in Strada. We, she won Tour of Flanders by 30 seconds plus. So it shouldn't be a surprise that she does this again. But yeah, there's definitely that. It's always better if, you, if you're at least as good as everybody else or better than it's better to attack at the perfect moment than uh, be defending because maybe what if they were waiting for Vibas? She got dropped a little bit. Some Suddenly someone else attacks. You have to mark that attack. Vibas doesn't come back. You spend too much energy chasing. They obviously, they did the, exactly the right thing. Volering, as I said, was the glue. She basically, she had even started pacing 
the group when Royce dropped, and that was the pace that Kapeki attacked off. So Volering yeah. was actually quite selfless today, and she also did the lead up for Vibers behind um, when she could really go for bonus seconds herself. In theory, like if yeah. if Volering rolled through from a smaller group, she can take bonies. But anyway, Kapeki wins. 41 seconds ahead of her teammate, Vibers. Cool third, just takes over Voss in fourth. Mulman, Vollering, uh, John Over, actually on Israel, came seventh. She was in the top yeah. 10. Then Ludwig, Garcia, Longaborghini, all in that top 10. Uh, Van Vleuten made it no problem. Davidon made it no problem. GC, Cavalli loses seven seconds. Bauerfeind loses 10 seconds. Persico loses... The 23 seconds, Marcus as well too. as Cordon Rigaud and Marcus. Ooh, Labou, 126 behind on the race wins. So that's yeah. 20. No, that, what is that? That is 43 seconds lost today. Yeah. That's a big one for, uh, for Labou. And when it comes to other GC riders, I think I wasn't considering Grace Brown as a GC rider, but she dropped pretty early on the stage, earlier than I expected it. And I think those are the main riders that really lost the... Uh, Lost a lost a lot of time for GC. So and we're Julie looking Van at Vilda. that, and obviously Sprat and Longoborghini are still in that group. So your your mental gymnastics of who their leader is, I think, is Longoborghini, but it's still alive. But to be able to see this, a gap in GC now of forty five seconds between Kopecky and the rest of the world. She has it until Tourmalet. I think ST Works got to rinse and repeat this. I said it, this is what I said in the preview, but I thought it would be Royce. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see why they can't keep extending Kopecky's gap out. Like Lippert and Van Vleuten didn't ride in that group behind. Neither of them took a pull. And who wants to, uh, Shabby and Nividoma might not pull if Movistar aren't pulling. And this sort of gets us into tomorrow. I think SD works. Like, they got the best team here. They're the most dominant team. They can sort of do what they want with the race, frankly. Yep. I think they got to go again. And I said this on this, is, I talked at length about this stage in the preview, which, you know, it's still not too late to go and look, look at that. Clermont Ferrand to Moriac, 151Ks. I think this is actually a GC day. This is a hard stage. 4K 7% out the gate, out of neutral. Then a false flat plateau for 25Ks. Then two. Uh, short climbs, 1.3k 6%, which is about how hard this climb today was, then 1.8k 5%, descent, and then 4.6k 5.5% followed straight after by the same climb as today, 1300 meters 7%, and then uh, it's like 50ks or 45ks of up and down. Kopecky's got to go on that Côte de Boissière. Uh, 1.3 k's, 6.8 percent. That cat four. I think she's got to go, and yeah, because I don't think Vivas makes this. No way. Mm -hmm. And put Movistar and Van Vleuten under huge pressure, and maybe even to the point where they have to start chasing. And then the last climb, 3.4 k, 6 percent. You can have gaps on that. You really yep. can. Um, and the first k is like seven percent. So. Bollering can even drop people on that climb. I think they got to go hard with Kopecky and really try and use their whole team advantage to weaken Van Lurten. I very much agree. And even if it isn't Kopecky, then Royster. But I feel yeah. after seeing today, then Kopecky, if she gets away on that climb and we get a similar situation as we saw today where the, the group was kind of like not really, 
not really working together. They'll be waiting on a third group that will try and come back. And by the time that's organized, Kopecky's up the road within a minute. And if they can keep on doing that, then she might have lost time by the last climb, but she's probably going to gain time on that group behind, in, in my honest opinion, because the engine that Kopecky has is better than two or three domestiques of other teams behind, if not more. So I really, truly believe that they should copy-paste the same strategy they had today for tomorrow. And worst case, it comes back together. You've got Volering to kind of launch it on the final hill. Like, yep. she's not bad in that sprint either. I think, I think they've got it all to play with. Would I enjoy them attacking with, with even earlier, with 100k to go with Royce or something? Yes, but I think after seeing today, I don't think that's the go-to strategy. I think the, the go-to strategy in the last 60k, last 50k on that, Caught the plan trying to hurt the group, dropping half the peloton there, and then on the Boissier climb, indeed, making a launch, like you said. And intermediate sprint comes afterwards, so kind of lucky that you gain 20 points there if you, yeah. if you pass there. Bonus seconds also there, so eight seconds there for Kopecky as well, three seconds on the second person. But that will also, that will also change the group behind a bit, eh? Because if people start sprinting for points or seconds in that group, then the cooperation might tilt a little bit and then that benefits uh, an attacker maybe again. So yeah, I think that I think this is straight up really possible, the strategy. They have to. And then how much time would you be comfortable giving Kopecky? Like at a certain point, Movistar AVV or the other GC contenders will have to pull. Like yeah. they're not, I don't think they're going to be comfortable giving her five minutes before Tourmalay. Yeah. Um, I think even with five minutes, she probably gets cooked on Tourmalay by AVV, but even if so in the situation right you are now i'm, I'm creating a situation trying to create a situation where volering can be in a seat she can mop up bonies so she's maybe gets herself before the the mountains 10 12 seconds ahead of avv you put an sd works rider three four minutes ahead now avv has to ride the climb full she can't just she has to ride the whole climb full with volering in her wheel it's completely yeah. different to Kovadonga, where Volering had to drop her. And yeah. so they got to do that. Um, and I think. Then again, yeah. last year in the tour on the climbing stages, Von Verten was still pushing hard regardless of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably was what she was going to do anyway. But now yeah. Volering's level looks very similar. I think there's a decent chance they say it's Royce's turn tomorrow and they take turns, but I don't believe in, I don't believe in that. And. Um, in this race i believe in gc so anyway it should be a good stage tomorrow i think it's going to be really explosive actually and selective and even though it doesn't look so hard at first glance i think it's a really hard stage and we're going to see even bigger gc gaps uh, i really think it's going to be a good stage so anything else from today benji uh i think uh there was an announcement that thing is going to develop but i think we should discuss oh, yeah. that in our Tour de france recap podcast that we have okay. after the Tour de france because uh, that's an interesting discussion, but when it comes to this women's Tour de France, I am very much looking forward to the rest of the race. I will say today's race was kind of snap over at the top of the climb, because the tension was kind of gone. It would have been fun if there was some tension between Kopecky and the group behind, but we just know that with the groups and riders that are pressing that second group, that the second as D-Works is up the road, it's been all year, then it enters into a scenario whether they can want to or not. <laughs> Instead what of just should winning. the other teams do? We just, I just said what SD works should Anticipate, do. What I think. I, th I agree, you know, like, if you're Canyon Shram, I think you, I think you, like, attack with Shabby out of neutral on the 4K 7%. <laughs> Why not? I 
neutral is early, but someone in the team should it's do that. It's 4k 7 percent. It's pretty hard. I like it, but she no. If she's on her own and SD Works are chasing on the plateau, she obviously sh should stop. Yeah. But I'm saying you you you're not hot committed if you if you do something. I think yeah. But the problem is for for Grace someone Brown like Morton, she with 100k bad. to go. She looked bad today. Yeah, she looked bad, but she should be able to attack on that on that Côte de, de Lastelle, which is about 50k into the race. Because then yeah. she had recovery after the first climb at the start of the race, and she will be attacking from a, a group that might not be the most fast one in the run into the next climbs yet. So Lippert and Shabby, they got to attack on that first climb. That's what you got to do and <laughs> work together. And maybe you bring a Mulman with you or Elisa Longoburghini with you. They're never going to do it. I don't I know. see it. But you can't let SD Works bully you or race and do what they want. Um, so yeah, I hope they I hope they try to take matters into their own hands. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. Yep. I think it's going to be a GC day. Hope you enjoyed the recap of Twitter France Fam Avec Swift, and we'll see you with stage two tomorrow. Until then, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 